Welcome to A&E Business Stories, a podcast hosted by Monograph about architecture and engineering leaders who run great firms. In this episode, you'll learn about design-build firm Woodhull. We're talking with Teresa Talander. She's an architect, director of residential operations, and one of eight owners at Woodhull. You can learn more about why Woodhull left BQE Core for Monograph on our website. Go to monograph.com customers or click the link in the show notes. New to Monograph? Monograph provides architecture and engineering firms with clarity into their budgets, projects, time, and clients, so your entire team can make smarter decisions. Get started at monograph.com. So here's some stats about Woodhull. It's a design-build firm that covers three industries, so architecture, construction, and millwork across two sectors, so residential and commercial. Here's some stats for you, so uh, 80 projects in design. These are 300K to $7 million residential projects or 300K to 3 million commercial projects. 75 company staff altogether at Woodhull, 25 architecture staff, and then eight owners, uh, Teresa being one of those owners. We've got Teresa Talander here. She's director of residential operations. Just to break the ice a little bit, um, <laughs> this firm, Woodhull, is based in Maine. Beautiful work, really incredible uh, projects, and in a great setting in Portland, Maine. Teresa Wood. Drew you to Maine. And what do you love to do there? Oh, thanks. Hi. This is this is really fun for me too. So thanks, thanks for and thanks for the opportunity, Chris. Um, Maine. So it's funny. A lot of people who I know who live in Maine ended up in Maine because their significant other brought them here. Um, and that's exactly what happened to me. I was born and raised in Spain, but my parents are Swedish. I went to college in the UK. I, you know, predominantly lived I lived in Europe. And then um on a trip to Arizona, I met a guy from DC and long story short, many years later, we moved to Maine. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, we've, I've been living here for about 15 years or so. It's a lot like Sweden in many senses in terms of the coastline and the climate and so on. But I grew up in the, in the Mediterranean coast of Spain, which is, which is very not like Maine. So it took me some time to get used to winter, but I do love it now. It's, um, very sunny out there today. There's a good amount of snow on the ground. We spend a lot of time on our little old wooden lobster boat in the summertime, and we get out as much as we can in the wintertime as well. It's a great Wow. <laughs> I definitely got to come visit up there. <laughs> yeah, please do. All right. So this is a new format where we profile the business stories of specific firms that are using Monograph to make better, smarter business decisions in their practices. And so we're going to be talking about the practice as well as uh, the software. And please let us know what kinds of questions you are curious about in the chat. We'll try to get to those at the end of the conversation here. And we'll also be doing more of these. So any feedback you can give us as far as what kind of things you'd like to learn from folks like Teresa who are using Monograph to make better decisions, we'd love to hear. Teresa, I'd love for you to give us a sense for the portfolio at Woodhull and you know why clients are attracted to Woodhull, and maybe talk about one or two of the uh, project images that we see here. Sure, happy to. Yeah, so I mean, Woodhull began as an architecture studio of two people, um, and eventually grew to to you know eight or ten people or so. And um, the founder of the company, Cale Johnson, felt that that he wanted he wanted more control of the build product. So he had these amazing designs where they weren't getting built the way he wanted them to be built. So, you know, 
over over the course of many years, essentially built a construction arm as well. Um, um, so I'd, I'd say these days, most people who come to us come to us because they love the idea of us holding the whole package. Right? We can design it, we can build a building, and then and then the woodworkers can build the cabinetry that goes inside the building. But it's certain it's certainly not our only model. So. I, I mean, uh, so as an example, the picture on on the far left there, that was designed by Woodhull, but built by an outside contractor because the project's in Massachusetts. So our construction team has a radius outside of Portland that we can currently feasibly build within. You know, we're looking to expand that. But um, but for this project that was designed by our residential team, built by an outside contractor, the upper photo in the middle is a retail marijuana uh, establishment here in Portland. It sort of almost looks like a home um, by design. Actually, it was meant to be, a, you know, a very uh, a comforting and welcoming space. That was designed by our commercial studio. It was built before we had a commercial construction team. So I guess it was built by a residential construction team. And then our millwork team also built all the, all the built-ins there. The photo in the middle at the bottom was designed by an outside architect and built by our commercial construction team. And then we designed and we built, we did the mill work for the photo on the far right. So there's a million variables there. You know, sometimes we design a project and we're working with an outside builder, but our millwork team builds the millwork. So there's a million variations there, but typically people come to us because they want us to do the whole thing. So a lot of everything, but we're seeing but we're seeing more and more that people want the design build model. We we actually have a handful of design build folks in the monograph community, but there's a lot of like traditional AE service firms that are probably in the room now and also are just generally curious about the design build business model. So what would you say are the top opportunities and challenges in Woodhill's model? And how does the firm align the team to fulfill that? Yeah, yeah, sure. So so, I mean, the goal is to build exceptional design super accurately, right? Um, that's why we developed a construction arm and a wood shop. Um, the, the challenges are that an architecture office and a, and a, a construction company and a wood shop operate in vastly different ways. The further challenge is that they're so interdependent on each other, right? So, so the construction team can't begin building something until the design team has finished the design. And similar um, um, uh, for the woodworkers. So you can't just think about the division that you're working in. You know, the studio director could could be very successful, just as an example, right? Like, like um, it would in many ways be easier to just... To just run an architecture office separate from a construction company, separate from a woodshop, but that's not what we're trying to do. So the challenge is, is to have them all kind of informing each other, to be understanding each other's complexities and timelines and drivers so that information can flow from one to the next and we can actually build accurate, exceptional design. It's not easy, but that's what we're determined to do, you know. What are the things that, as firm leaders, you find yourself continuously reminding folks? Right. It it has to be open, open and transparent, and and super collaborative. Because as I alluded to before, if we operate as silos, the whole thing falls apart. 
so for example, we have our office here in Portland has the architects and and the construction project managers are in the same building, right? So there's a lot of communication back and forth. The the millwork shop director and the millwork coordinator, basically the person who takes the final designs and converts them into shop drawings so that so that the woodworkers can build the cabinetry, are based in our studio as well. So we're very involved in the design process and and can sort of call out and be like, actually, you know, we need that design to be ready in April because we really want it on the floor in May. Because if we haven't done it by June, then this other project's coming in and then we're not going to be able to touch it until until September or whatever it is. So it's very iterative and it's it's not always super clean, but there has to be even more communication than if we were just an architecture office or just a construction company. Because an architect might not typically think that spending an extra month on something is really going to cause a lot of impact, but it does in our case because there's so many knock-on effects. And so we're not trying to eliminate change. You know, change is always going to happen. It can come from it can come from the clients. It can come from the studio. It can come from construction. It can, it can it can sort of come from anywhere. But we just all need to know what's happening. So so it's a, it's a lot of communication. It's a lot of talking. And it's a lot of tools, you know, and certainly Monograph is one of those, it, it, like absolutely has to be, right? Because we grew so quickly o- over the course of the pandemic, I'm sure other ar- architects in the room um, had had similar experiences. You know, March 2020, everything went quiet for a few days. And here, I mean, it literally was not more than a week. And then the phone started ringing off the hook where people wanted to get out of big cities and come up to Maine because it's a beautiful place to be, right? So so as we grew so quickly, we found that we sort of couldn't operate as a small company anymore. We had to build a lot more robust systems and operating procedures. And and certainly a big part of that is having is having management software that's actively maintained and the way to make sure something is actively maintained is that it's easy to use right our previous our previous system just simply wasn't easy to use it was it was very powerful but it felt like an encyclopedia when really all you wanted was like a tiny bit of information but it took it took an extraordinary amount of work to get there so then as people weren't maintaining the software and then you end up it's sort of a fantasy world, right? The data is 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 telling you one thing, but the reality is telling you another, and then suddenly you're you're sort of lost because there's no way to hold the reins anymore. And for example, these are slides that you shared with the team yeah. uh, to communicate this alignment. So, yeah, exactly. So we've we've developed over the over the course of last year, we because we grew and because we're trying to develop sort of like a Woodhull way of doing things and certainly not one size fits all, but at least an approach, you know, every, everyone who works at Woodhull is super talented and everyone's come with their experiences from working in other organizations, but we didn't really have a Woodhull way. So we're trying to develop all of that. And part of that is that we've begun to roll out a series of learning units is what we're calling them. So for example, Caleb Johnson, the founder of the company, anytime somebody new joins us or maybe a batch of people join within a you know a month or a couple of months or something he does a learning unit with them that's all about our mission and values right this is one that Caleb and I developed together about how we collaborate across our divisions there's one coming up about the sorts of information that our woodworkers absolutely need to have on our design drawings and and the sorts of information that they don't need, right? So that we're being super clear about the information that we're communicating to each other, and not and not giving not giving sort of unnecessary details, but giving everyone the right detail. 
Mm. Very interesting. So we're going to focus in on not just management software, but the qualifier maintained um, because of how the interconnectedness of the business requires this transparency, communication, and collaboration, which is intensified when project changes happen. So we're going to talk now more about this software change that happened. So you were previously in BQE Core, and we're going to dive into how Woodhull has been using Monograph and the successes they've seen. I'd love to get a quick overview of some of the measured improvements that you've seen before and after that are clear wins for Woodhull already using Monograph. So we're looking at a slide here, before and after. On the before, here are the bullets. Four to six hours per week on reporting latest project schedules. Five to 10 day invoicing process due to back and forth between PMs and the bookkeeper. And 50% errors on retainer invoicing causing client refunds. Now after Monograph, you saw 95% time reduction to prepare scheduling reports for firm owners. 53% faster process for generating client invoices every month. And 100% error reduction on retainer invoicing, avoiding client refunds. So Teresa, talk about what happened here. Yeah, I mean, the bullet points are pretty are pretty clear here, I think. But yes, absolutely a lot less time on a weekly basis understanding exactly where we are with our project schedules. There's a slide, a few, a few slides down here. I can I can show you what I had what we did before and what we're doing now. You know, it's 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 pretty apparent. So that's sort of helpful just from a from a logistics standpoint, but also from a collaboration standpoint, because I think the worst position anyone can be in this is not understanding what the goals or objectives are. I'm sure there are there are people here on this call who have who have worked at other firms where, for example, they're working on a in a design phase, but they have no idea what the fee limitations are. And so they work and work and work and work because they want to do their very best. And then they get told, well, we've just gone over by 200% and they get sort of chastised for it. But how on earth are they going to know unless they know, right? So Monograph has been awesome for us in terms of that transparency, which is such a core value for us because we we simply cannot run a company like Woodhull if we if we don't have that. And then from a cash flow perspective, the way we were running in BQE Core, we had a really cumbersome process in, in terms of how we sent invoices out to clients. That's been vastly reduced. And then the third point here is as part of our design contracts, there's a retainer that the clients pay upon um, upon signing the contract. But the idea is that it then gets applied to the last two invoices or so. But we didn't have a good system before to remember to do that. But there's a great little thing in Monograph that as you're generating an invoice, there's a little purple note at the top that sort of reminds you that you have a retainer. And then you could be like, oh, right, I'm coming right to the end. I'm going to use half of it or something like that. Because we were ending up having to send big checks back to clients. And that's not ideal either. Perhaps a less data measurable, but what's been hugely valuable for me and for the rest of the leadership team is that the rest of the leadership team are able to see exactly what's going on. Before it was more that they had to come to me for interpretations. And it, it takes an extraordinary amount of everybody's time to do that. Very Those cool. Which wins for us, yeah. Those are three concrete examples, but there is a broader, holistic, negative flywheel that you saw happening centered around the fact that projects simply change every day. Every project timeline would be would be set up in BQE Core. It's not that it's impossible to change it, but it was. I think it was in part a smart thing that Monograph has done here, and it, it's because you all are 
are brilliant and have architectural backgrounds, I think, have really sort of leaned into the idea that architects are visual people. And so if something's easy to look at and easy to understand and easy to uh, adjust, then it will be used. And BQE was sort of was sort of the opposite. It, it felt like somewhere between bookkeeping and like engineering or something. It was just, <laughs> apologies to the engineers out there, but it just, it just was so, um, it was so data heavy that, that people simply weren't using it. So what happens then, right? Like a design phase extends by two months because, because the clients have decided to add a second building to their property. That's actually great news for everybody, right? It's, it's an interesting project for the design studio. It's awesome for the construction team. It's more revenue for them. It's all actually good news, but the short-term view is that is that it's all going to take longer. And if that's not documented, then then everything begins to break down, right? Then the construction teams think, well, oh, I, I was going to start building that in in September, but now we're not going to start until March. Oh, well, now I have this project manager who doesn't have anywhere to be. Is the company too large? And then suddenly panic begins to spiral in everybody's mind, right? So, so because I knew that the data in core was incorrect, I was interpreting to the best of my ability, but it all spirals and causes just a, a, a mess, a total mess. So we had to change it. So you found a, a different way to do this. <laughs> I did. And, you know, I can't actually remember how I heard about Monograph for the first time. I have to think about that one. I can't remember. I mean, <laughs> no, it was an architect somewhere, but I can't quite remember the first time I was like, oh, I should look into that. But it was last spring, summer, something like that. Um, and yeah, and, and certainly, I mean, I think we all know that there is, there is no silver bullet, right? Garbage in, garbage out. It could be that, you know, a company signs up to monograph and if they don't use it, it's going to cause the same problems. But the difference is that it's much easier to use in our, in our opinion, in our experience, at least, at least for our application, it's, it's a significantly better solution that helps us. That's like an ingredient in this like extra transparency and collaboration that we need as a interdisciplinary uh, company. Projects change every day. That's not a bad thing, but it no. can be a bad thing if they change in the wrong direction because of effects of an inefficient and inaccurate system. But in this case, like yeah. a client comes with new scope, that's awesome. And with better transparency, collaboration, and communication, you can make more effective progress on the project every day. Absolutely. And again, looking at it from a super holistic way, we don't want a project to go away. It, it happens sometimes, but but as soon as we know that a client has, has decided they don't want to build a house or whatever it is, it allows us to very quickly think, okay, so what other client do we have in the wings who we said we couldn't, we couldn't get started with them for six months? Now, actually, we can do it in two months. So that's a win for them, right? So it's not, it's not only about us. It's so heavily about, about our clients as well and just, and just sort of keeping people updated. It used to be that this is going back a bunch of years. You know, this isn't anything to do with core, but it, it used to be that the founder of our company would go out on a sales call and he'd get really excited about a project and tell the prospective clients that we could get started in, in two weeks because he was pulling a number from the air and because he didn't want to lose his job, right? But now everyone can talk about our backlog and availability with a fluency that we didn't have before. 
it was something that existed in my head and maybe one or two others, but it's very available for everyone to see now. So yeah, huge improvements. If you're up for it, I'd love for you to like show us the custom spreadsheet you would put together <laughs> every week. Information's inaccurate here. So you're pulling it all together into this new custom place that was taking up yeah four to six hours of your time every week. And it's super important because the firm leaders do need to know the accurate Absolutely. Like state of everything. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, this is a Google Sheets document and it was one of four tabs. And that was a function of, there were so many projects that we couldn't, if we had it all on one big sheet, it would just became impossible to read. So we had one tab that was all the projects under construction. And then we had one tab of the projects that were going to start, you know, in six months. And then and then the projects that were being built by outside contractors because we didn't need to talk with our construction team about those is sort of irrelevant to them. And then this last one was projects that we had signed contracts for but hadn't begun yet. And then the and then the section at the bottom was the sort of inverse, right? So each of the blue lines essentially represented somebody in the studio and when they were available to take on another project. But it was a very manual thing. So I used print these out every two weeks and I would carry them around. People would call it my security blanket because, <laughs> because it was the only place where all these, all the information existed in one place. And I constantly, and as soon as I printed it out, something was out of date. So I would mark it out, mark it out, mark it out. And it was such a manual process. And then after two weeks, I would, I would, I would get ready for our next division meetings and I'd find all my markups and then I'd go back. And I'd look at every project in core and, oh, well, that's, that's changed again. I mean, it was just such a painful process. And it's funny because I, I dug this out and it's interesting that the last update there was August 14th because we made, we made the switch September 1st. So that's where, I, that's when I stopped. Yeah. And this is what it looks like today. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know Monograph, it's, it's a very, it's very intuitive in the, in that you can make all of your projects. They can be tagged by categories and they can also be color coded. This doesn't show any of the project names. You know, they would be off on the left here. I just, I just had to cut those off just for the purpose of our clients. But, but because we have residential projects and we have commercial projects and we have things that Woodhull builds and things that outside, outside builders build. Um, and some of the projects are new construction, some projects are renovation. So we, so develop this sort of, this sort of color coding and filtering system. So for example, the one in the, uh, the top left, uh, that says, that says they're residential studio projects, they are blues and greens. And the way this has been built up is that blue projects are projects that Woodhull also builds and green projects are built by outside builders. And then the dark shades of each are new construction homes and the light shades of each are renovation projects. And then we apply the same system to the commercial. They just work in pinks and purples, right? We had to essentially use um, a bunch of different colors to make the system work. And so what that means is that, for example, the director of the residential studio, he's interested in all of the residential projects. So he would go and filter in, in the way we're showing in the top left. And the director of the commercial studio only wants to know about the pink and purple projects, right? He doesn't, he doesn't care what the residential folks are working on. And the residential construction team, they're not interested in things that the studio is designing, but that other contractors are building. So everyone can filter to their own needs. 
And then we've also tagged each of the projects with the initials of the people who are working on them. So you can essentially filter by your own initial and be like, okay, these are the five projects I'm working on. And then you don't have to sift through all of the rest of it. So that's been super helpful to get people to just go in and find the information and maintain it. You know, find it if they're not actively working on something, but they need to know the sort of the general idea of when we're planning to complete the SD drawing set or whatever it is, right? And then they can drill down as they need into uh, individual projects. And for example, the bottom right where it says their millwork project, that's showing blue and green projects because there are some cases where our millwork team builds cabinetry or projects that we've designed but are being built by outside contractors. I mentioned that before. There's a ton of of information I just said to you all there, but all to say that we figured out a system that has really helped us be able to categorize all these different ways that we have of working. I'm getting some questions in the chat. Um, For folks who are new to Monograph, um, we're going to go a little bit more into detail about the different areas. One question from a customer is about milestones. Is this something you're going to do in the future? Some folks in Monograph will use milestones to mark moments during a phase. So you can see it in this view, uh, 50% DD, something like that, right? So any thoughts on using that? We're definitely headed in in that direction. We wanted to get the the sort of overall uh, framework of, of the project set up first in parallel to what we're doing here with Monograph. We're also developing a lot of other internal systems that help us in, ensure that the construction folks and, and the millwork folks are being sort of uh, kept abreast of the design process at the appropriate intervals. And those intervals could absolutely be milestones here in Monograph. We just haven't implemented it yet because we're figuring out exactly what the milestones are before we pepper them into each of the 80 or so projects that we have going here. Thanks a lot for that question about the milestones. And and keep adding your questions to the chat or to the Q&A. It's really helpful. And we're going to try to get to as many as we can at the end. You also shared this view here, color coding. Um, It's so simple, but it it really is important for folks who are, are visual. For sure. Yeah. And this is a team forecast report. I don't think the architects are looking at this a lot, but the studio director and me as director of operations are looking at this a whole lot, right? There's options there to filter the date range. It's been helpful to us to see about a year out because we are about six months out from taking on any new work. So when people call with, you know, if somebody calls us at the moment, you know, and I'm talking specifically about the residential division here and commercials, a whole different animal. Um, it's helpful for us to see a long date range because if somebody calls, typically, I mean, if I were to have a conversation with somebody today, I'd say that we could get started in the third quarter, you know, which gives us a bit of a leeway to exactly when we do that. But this also helps us see at a glance the kind the kinds of projects that people are working on this is where the color coding comes in again right so the top bar with all of the bars that there's a person's name on, underneath all, each of those bars and so you can see the makeup of the kind of projects that those people are working on but then underneath that each individual person has their own little section so this one here i can see and it's because i'm super familiar with the color coding that we set up right i can see that this person is working essentially full-time on a design only new construction project because it's green and then in the second half of the year they're going to jump onto a new construction project that's also built by woodhull and the reason that's important 
is that in the instance of this person, this is a younger design team member, and we're really encouraging everybody to grow in every way they can. And so we feel it's really important that people don't get siloed into one into one type of project. So we try to mix it up. You know, if we see that somebody's been working on renovations for a long time, gosh, I bet they'd like to work on a new construction project, or somebody's about to get their architecture license and wants a different kind of experience. All those sorts of things help us inform how we assign these projects next. It's not always perfect because it depends on availability and it depends on a million different factors, but it helps us at least think about it and consider it. Let's talk more about the broader monograph system. <laughs> Tracking projects is sort of the source issue of maintaining the project management system, which had that um, compounding effect of if it's inefficient, it becomes inaccurate. If it's inaccurate, more inefficiencies are created. So tracking projects is a piece of this. We'll talk about that. Invoices and payments. So this is a use case that's related to tracking projects resulting in cash flow that you also saw a whole new business practice around that Monograph enabled. And then forecasting, staffing, mixing up the experience of folks or just knowing, you know, are you in a situation where you need to hire or are facing a bad situation where you may need to cover with more projects. Otherwise, there could be a risk of a layoff. So assigning staff, there's different angles of this, long-range planning, short-range planning. I'd love to talk about these areas in detail and maybe get some ideas from you to help folks who are monograph users or prospective monograph users understand how you think about using these tools and why they're important to you. Why don't we start with uh, track projects? Yeah. It's funny that it was hard. There was no way for us to previously see all of our project timelines in the same view. We could only see them one at a time, which is why I had to make that manual sheet. It's so helpful to us to be able to see everything at a glance, in part because we can see the makeup of the, of the projects and the, and the overall sort of, sort of cadence of them. But also it, it allows us to identify the staggering of projects for team members, right? Like it's not ideal for somebody to be working on two projects that are in construction documents at the same time, and they both have a deadline in the end of August, because that's going to be really intense, right? Or it's not helpful that two projects have a budgeting pause at the same time, because then this person suddenly doesn't have enough to do for six weeks. In our case, it takes about six weeks because we provide in-house estimating. There's a pause there where we hand the drawings over to our pre-construction team. They put numbers to it and then we come back. So it's absolutely critical that we can see everything like that on, in an overarching view. The project dashboard is essential in its own right too. Everybody working on the project can see how the phase is laid out. The vertical line there, as you can see sort of where the mouse is, is essentially today. And then, and then you can see the, like uh, the horizontal line above each of the phases is, is the, what's called the money gap. For those of you who don't know that, it shows you how you're tracking on your fee relative to the fee that you put in, in into the project planner. It's also interconnected. I'm sort of dumbfounded that we didn't have this earlier. Sometimes, you know, I think there was so many places where things could go wrong. At Project Dashboard, there's also an option there to share a link of the project schedule, even even with people who don't use Monograph. So like I said before, I mean, we're a, a design a design and millwork and construction company, um, and we're about 75 people, but only about a third of us are using Monograph. Certainly not everybody needs to see design schedules necessarily. For example, carpenters don't really care whether we're in SD or DD. They, they just want to know when construction starts, right? So they speak to their construction project managers about that. But there's a handful of people who need to know about the overall project schedules. 
that aren't using Monograph, and even clients, there's an option to just uh, um, uh, share a link of the Gantt so they can see exactly where we are. There's so much more transparency because everyone is centered around the same data and all the data is interconnected. It enables delegation across the invoicing process, which is super important, but it's kind of complicated for AE firms. And it was actually a priority for you, Teresa, to change the how and who handled invoicing leading into Monograph. So I'd love for you to talk about what the configuration is and how invoices happen now, whereas how they used to happen. Yeah, sure. We feel so strongly that there needs to be somebody in, in the driver's seat. And for a design project, the person in the driver's seat has to be that project manager, that architect. And that person has to have a full control of all aspects of the project. And that to us also includes the finances of the project. The way we used to do this before is that our bookkeeper would generate a draft invoice. She would email it to the project manager. The project manager would see a few things that had to be tweaked, whatever an expense had been missed or something had been put in the wrong phase or whatever it was would email her back to make those changes. She would she would send it back. Something else would change that had to be fixed. It was this very back and forth, but also very fragmented process because it was all happening over email. So people were sort of catching up with it in between other things. It wasn't like, okay, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to do all my invoices now. It was like, oh, oh, all right. Yeah, I'm going to update that one. I'm going to send that back. And I'm going to update this one. And oh, I forgot to do this thing. You know, whereas by shifting that whole purview over to the project managers, they can be much more proactive and intentional about it, right? So it's not that invoice goes out and there's a mistake on it. Oh, well, it's a bookkeeping mistake. It's 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 so important to us that people take ownership of all of their work, right? Of, of the project cycle as a whole. And it absolutely includes the finances because without the finances, there would be no project, right? So there was absolutely a transition there. I think the general sentiment in the beginning from the architects in the studio was that they were taking on a lot more admin work and that that was going to be taking away from their time to be creative, which is a fully understandable and reasonable feeling or response. And I think it took a few months for everyone to get their arms around it. But now, instead of the emails bouncing back and forth over the course of a week sometimes, because somebody's out on a job site all day or somebody's doing this or somebody's doing that, it's they can sit down on the first of the month and they can generate an invoice and make sure everything's on there. And it takes 10 or 15 minutes. And then all they do is send it to the bookkeeper so that she can send it to the client. So we're not getting involved in the sending our design invoices over to clients because we definitely want to keep a bit of a firewall there so that when clients have financial questions, they go to the bookkeeper just to try to keep a little bit of a firewall there. But in, in terms of generating the invoices and making sure that they're right, we feel very strongly that that should be in the project manager's purview. And it's taken a little bit of time to get used to but i think across the board people are feeling a lot more positive about it and a lot more efficient about it and also our studio director can now see the invoices in a way that he couldn't before so he gives them all a final look whereas before that was super hard to do because it was a sort of emailing process but now we can see inside the monograph portal we can see exactly where things are he can see okay that one's in draft mode i'm not i'm not going to review that one yet that one says final for review okay i'm going to say it's final and it goes to the keeper so it's uh, definitely made people be more proactive and as a result the invoices are 
are going out faster, which results in them getting paid faster. And it's that positive flywheel that you were talking about before, right, Chris? That, mm-hmm. yeah, it's been a huge improvement. There are all these different collaborators in the firm that have slightly different uh, scales. These different views sort of have different users. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do, for sure. For those who don't know, there's an option to view your staffing as either a weekly or a monthly view. Um, and people have some personal preferences, but they also have sort of different functions. So, for example, the studio director and I, again, like our interest is the long view and the project manager's interest is a much shorter view. So we use the monthly staffing view a lot because that's how we can identify, OK, somebody is a bit light there for two months. Maybe they could help so and so on X project, whatever. And the project managers, they don't have dedicated design teams who work with them always, right? They share the rest of the designers. So they sit down on a biweekly basis and look at their own projects. And they often do this in the weekly view because it helps them plan, OK, this week I have to do this and then I have to do this next week. So then they can see at a glance and they... And they talk about it together, which I think is so awesome that somebody can be like, hey, I have this big deadline on Friday. Can I borrow so-and-so for 10 hours this week? And in the past, I mean, that conversation could certainly have happened, but we would never have, have been able to see it in some sort of view. So the only people who would know about that conversation were the people who had it, right? So it's been really helpful to get people to talk to each other more, but then also reflect in the view so you can see at a glance that people are shifting around a little bit to meet all sorts of deadlines and milestones. We recently upgraded the uh, monthly staffing with a new set of features. We are constantly listening to customers and researching what their true use case is and what could really be valuable to them. So Teresa played a part in shaping with other customers in our product team some improvements to monthly staffing. So I'd love to hear about what your experience was like um, and what some of the like really key things that you wanted to see change were. Yeah, there was a, um, the way when we joined Monograph, the monthly staffing view had only very recently been developed, I believe. It was explained to me, it wasn't quite in beta, but it was an early development that didn't have as much functionality. So before there was no way to filter the monthly view by team member. So when you have a list of 25 people and they're across the two different divisions and they're, and they're organized, I think it's alphabetically by last name, it became a bit of like a scrolling exercise. It was like, okay, well, I want, I want this person to be working with this person, but I can't see them both on the screen at the same time, you know? So there were some, I mean, there were some UX <laughs> things that were happening. Yeah couldn't see the things that we wanted to see. Um, And then the other massive improvement was that if you were in the weekly staffing view and you had made adjustments to someone's hours, say they were were originally going to be working 20 hours a week for four weeks on a project and you decreased a week down to zero because they were on vacation or whatever, those other 20 hours that you basically pulled out of the scope, they sort of disappeared into the ether. There was no way to see where they went without having to reset everything. But now there's a function in the monthly staffing view that's called rebalance hours. And it, and it essentially allows you to see at a glance if there are hours that are accounted for in the planner but haven't been staffed yet. So it lets you distribute those out again so that you know that you're not going over or under. I mean, it's great to go under if you can, right? But at least it provides you a view that you couldn't have before of the amount of hours that are left. And we really value the input that you have and the input that we know that many folks uh, on the call are uh, always sharing feedback to the team. We really listen to it and we really try to factor in what is going to 
make the biggest improvement for for the customer base. So thanks a lot, uh, Teresa, for, for yeah. No, it was a fun. That. It was kind of a it was a fun exercise to be part of and super appreciative too. I mean, it, we all have worked with many other platforms where it's impossible to change anything, even though there's obviously something that isn't working, right? So yeah, super appreciative. And I'm sure there's a lot more to come. I feel like I'm in constant communication with a lot of you at this point, which I really appreciate that it's that kind of open and accessible, you know? Teresa, if if you do have room for a question, maybe we could at least do one. Yeah, let's um, do it. I'm going to ask this one from Marie Eddy of um, Traverse Landscape Architects. We featured Marie's story a lot. And so I, I want to celebrate that with this question from Marie. So who in the organization is responsible for the ever-changing schedules of phases and milestones on a project? How have you thought through who's responsible for the project changes? Yeah. So the way we run it is that when somebody decides they want to work with us and we sign a design project, I set the whole project up in monograph. I sign the client, all that stuff. I, I lay out project phases based on what I know from previous projects, how long these, these projects typically take. And I assign the people and then that allows us to see in the staffing view that X person is going to start this project in June and they're going to have support from, from Bob or whomever, right? So, so I set it up as a starting point. That's really a framework to start from. But from there, it's absolutely up to the project manager to keep, to keep their projects up to date. Um, each of our project managers, uh, and actually this is something that we're working on too, we're trying to get to a spot where people aren't working on as many projects at the same time because that also fuels inefficiency and confusion and burnout and all these things, right? So I'd say at the moment our project, and, and again, I'm talking about the residential division, uh, our project managers run about four projects at the same time. So it's their responsibility to keep those four project schedules up to date. And because it's a live update, right? As soon as they update something in the, in the planner, it now up- updates in the monthly staffing view, which it did not before. Actually, I didn't say that earlier. That's a significant improvement as well. Before it, somebody updated something in the planner and then you went over to the staffing view, you had to hit this button called update schedule, which I hear is going away here shortly. So yeah, that's our general system. I set it up at the outset and then I hand it over to the project managers when it's time for them to start the project. And sometimes that's a lag in about six months or so of time because we can't get started on something right away. I hope that answers your question, Marie. It's a good question. Absolute thanks to Teresa for doing this with us. It was really cool to learn more about your story. We're so proud to contribute in a small way to what Woodhull's doing. It's such a cool, such a cool practice. I hope some folks here who are listening are interested in the design build business model will maybe look at this and kind of give it a thought. For folks who are thinking about new ways to get more out of Monograph, I hope that this has given you some new ideas. If you are already a customer at Monograph, please reach out to your customer success manager. Really fun episode. And and thanks a lot, Teresa, again. Of course. Thank you. It was my pleasure. As I said to you before, this is like, I'm, I don't... Uh... This is kind of a little bit out of my comfort zone, but it's a good thing to do, and I really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. Hit the subscribe button to get the latest A&E business stories like this. You can learn more about why Woodhull left BQE Core for Monograph on our website. Go to monograph.com customers or click the link in the show notes. New to Monograph? We've been in your seat. Instead of relying on gut feeling to manage your firm, you can now use real-time data to make decisions. Stay under budget with visual trackers. Avoid burnout with simple staffing, and replace slow, clunky processes with quick and simple workflows. But that's not all. 
you can track day-to-day activities across your team, peer into the future to plan for your next big project, and quickly identify opportunities for growth. Plus, we know you love visuals. That's why there's less cells, more charts, less columns, more colors, less hiding, more visibility. You get the picture. We call it a performance management platform. It helps you and your team be more informed and productive, which allows everyone to make better decisions, which decreases overhead and grows your profit. Basically, performance becomes a lot easier to manage because it's no longer hiding from you. Go to monograph.com to get started and get performance in plain sight.